If you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, do I have anybody passing those things out? If you need a lesson, raise your hand. Raise your hand all around the building if you need a lesson. Real high, real high. Griggs is kind of short, so he can't see. Come on, right, real high, right there. All right. You got two over there, William. One in the middle. All right. There we go, right in the middle. Got one over here. Johnny right here. One here and one, one in the back, or in the middle back. There we go. All right. Right there, Johnny, right there. Raise your hand one more time. There, there you go. There he can see you. All right. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Joshua chapter number 7. Joshua chapter number 7. How many are you glad to be saved? Amen. How many are excited about last night? Amen. All right. Y'all mind if I vent just a minute? All right. All right. I'm coming on. <clears throat> I am, I am very glad that, that, that Hillary is not our president. You might want to finish. Let me finish. But if you think that Donald Trump is going to make America great again, you're crippled too high for crutches. I mean this. I mean this. Listen, politics is not what made America great. Now, I said this, I vented a little bit on Facebook. I usually don't do that, but I did today. Because I'm seeing tons of Christians all jacked up and excited, and, 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 and that's all they said was about the evangelical vote. Everybody came out the woodwork to vote. Now, here's what's going to happen. Now they're going to go back in the closet. Now they're going to go back into hiding. Listen, it takes more than punching a vote to make America great. And it's not about what or who is in the White House. Making America great is not about the White House. It's about your house. Are y'all with me? And when I say your house, I'm talking about my house. I I, I looked this up. I looked this up. There There are 280 million professed Christians in the United States. I think that number is ridiculous. But 280 million. And you say, what's significant about that? There's only 324 million people in the United States. So according to the professed Christians, there's only 44 million sinners in the United States. How many empty seats you see here tonight? Here's my point. I want America to be great again. I do. But I'm not going to leave it up to Trump. I'm not going to leave it up to the Republicans or the Democrats. I'll tell you what will make America great again. It starts at our house. When we start getting our house in order. Because when our houses get in order, then it changes our communities. And when our communities change, then it changes our cities. And when our cities change, it changes our country. Does that make sense? And I'm not trying to be mean. I, I, trust me, I'm not. I, I just, it's just a little aggravating to think that, that there are Christians who think that that's going to fix everything now. And it's not. Man, we need to pray for our country. Listen, if we prayed this hard before this election, how much more do we need to be praying now? Now. Amen? 
Vent over. <clears throat> All right. All right. Let's talk about let's talk about failure tonight. Amen. Joshua chapter seven and verse number one. Let me read fast. Y'all been standing, so we'll, we'll we'll read and and then I'll let you sit down. Okay. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel. And he spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up. But let about two or three thousand men go up and smite I, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of I. And the men of I smote of them about thirty and six men. This is the first, this is the first failure in the promised land, first military failure. Matter of fact, it's the only military failure. In the promised land. Now, uh, this is devastating. This is devastating when you come off of a, just an unbelievable victory to turn around and, 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 and to be whipped and to be run off. And Joshua, and Joshua, the Bible says in verse number six, well, let me go back to verse five. And the men of Ai smote of them from about 30 and six men. For they chased them from before the gate even unto Shebarim and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Now, what's significant about this is that is the same description it was given to the enemies of Israel. When Israel came in to Jericho, the Bible says their hearts melted within them. So what is happening? God's people are becoming like the enemy. The same feeling, the same experience that they are having. Verse number 6, And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we'd been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have stolen, also stolen, and dissembled also. The word dissembled there means to to trick or to deceive. In other words, they didn't just steal, they tried to hide it. They have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except ye destroy the accursed thing among you. Up, sanctify the people. Say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee. O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege it is to serve you. Thank you for the privilege it is to come into your house and, and, and to be with your people. 
and to study your word and to look into the, the things that we need for our life and our daily provision, our daily walk, and uh, Lord, the things that we experience. And God, I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in an awesome way. And God, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. All right, you may be seated. <clears throat> Let's look at where we're at. Let's look at where we're at. In Joshua chapter number 6, we find that God gave uh, explicit instructions on what to do for victory, on what to do to experience victory. They did what God told them to do, and they experienced victory. They experienced victory over the, probably one of the, the, the largest cities or greatest cities, the most difficult cities to conquer in all of Canaan, Jericho. Uh, they went, they did exactly what God said, they followed it detail by detail, and guess what? They won a great victory. Before they went in, before they went in though, uh, Joshua instructed them and reminded them that this was the first city in the promised land. So as a type, it's a type of the tithe or a type of the first fruits for God. In other words, this is the first of what God was going to do for them. And we know in the book of Psalms, the Bible says we are to honor the Lord with our first, what comes first in our life. Now, we know we do that to show the Lord that he is first. He is a priority in our life. Amen. God is not broke. He is not poor. Uh, he doesn't need our money because he's, he is in bad shape financially. He's not after our money. He's after our heart. Are y'all with me? He's after our heart. He wants what's first in our life. It says, seek ye Come on, everybody. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God wants to be priority. Jesus said in Luke 14, Unless a man hate his father and his mother and his sister and his brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. The word hate there means to love less. It means I have to be first. I have to be number one in your life. So this city was dedicated to God. When you see the accursed thing, it means something that was set apart, something that was dedicated Everything in this city was given to God. It was God's, and, and, and God said and had every right to do whatever he desired with it. They said, do not touch it. But we know, we know, and I'm not going to get into much of this. I want to try to do this next week and talk about Achan's failure. Tonight, I want to talk about Joshua's failure. But we'll deal with Achan's failure next week when we go into latter parts of this chapter. Uh, Achan took of this, he saw some garments that were really uh, uh, appealed to the eye, he saw some, some money, he saw some gold and silver there, and he took of it and he hid it in his tent. Uh, we know that the family uh, was involved in the situation and involved in the deceit because God punished them also. And so here we have this situation. Now, in, in the very beginning of Joshua chapter number 7, uh, Joshua is not aware of what Achan did. Does everybody understand that? Say amen. amen. Joshua's coming off of this victory. Joshua's coming off of the great defeat of, of the city of Jericho. And man, he's excited. He is, he is, he is, I mean, you got to admit it. When you win, it's a great thing. Amen. Everybody loves winning. Everybody loves to be victorious. And sometimes when we are victorious, sometimes when we have a victory in our life, sometimes when God does something great in our life, sometimes we throw our spirituality in neutral. Now think about this. Think about this. Sometimes, this is a great illustration. How many people, how many Christians, I'm talking about they prayed more than they've ever prayed in their life 
up until last night. And I wonder how many did it today. Well, now we don't think we have to. Does this make sense? So here Joshua's standing. Now watch. <clears throat> here Joshua's standing, and he's viewing the city of Jericho in chapter number 6, or actually into chapter number 5, and, and, and he, he's looking and he's pondering and he's thinking about what he's going to have to do uh, to conquer this city, uh, these great walls, the, the, this, this formidable foe that is in front of him, and God speaks to him, he speaks to God, God gives him instructions, and, and he follows through, so he, he understands his desperate need for God. But then he wins. He accomplishes his goal. He accomplishes his task. Are y'all with me? And then he turns around to the next place, and it's just this little old rinky-dink city. It's his situation is not that big of deal. Do you want me to tell you the sins that get us? It's the ones we don't think is a big deal. The temptations that get us is the ones we think we can handle. Let he that thinks he stands take heed lest he Are y'all with me? Now here's the first things I want to talk about. <clears throat> here's the first thing I want to talk about. Uh, let's look at the anatomy of defeat. Let's, let's talk about the defeat first. How did he fall? What, what contributed to the failure? Now I want to say this. I want to say this. I hope everybody, I hope everybody in here understands that, that failure is a part of life. And if you think you're beyond failure or you're immune to failure, you're a failure. You are flawed in your thinking. Listen, but we can fail less. Amen. And our falls, our falls don't have to be as significant as some has been in the past in our life. So, how did he fall? What contributed to his failure? Let's look at, let's look at some things today. Look in verse number, uh, chapter 7 and verse number 2. Now remember, uh, what we read in verse number 1, Joshua is not aware of. Okay? Verse number 1 tells about what Achan did. But Joshua don't know. He don't have a clue. All he knows is they went into Jericho and whipped everybody. They had a great victory. They conquered everything. Everything was great and wonderful. Now, in verse number 2, it says, And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is, we used to say Ai there until I got uh, the Bible on CD, and then it, I can hear what it really says. That really is Ai. Uh, I know the spelling is, but the, the right pronunciation is Ai. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth Aven on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country, and the men went up and viewed I. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite I. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of I. All right? Uh, Thirty-six guys got killed. What happened? What was the difference between this situation and the situation in Jericho? First, if you're taking notes, write this down. What contributed to his failure? 
First thing we see, A, he acted without asking. He acted without asking. I, I wrote in your notes here, Joshua was so swelled up in his last victory, he did not see the need to consult God for the future battle. Look what look what we, we have we have Joshua one one, Joshua three seven, Joshua four one, eight, ten, and fifteen, Joshua five, two, nine, thirteen through fifteen, and Joshua six one. Every single one of these verses are in reference to God speaking to Joshua and Joshua obeying him. Now watch what it says in Joshua five, thirteen and fifteen. This is right before Jericho. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over him against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he says, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Now at this point, Joshua realizes this is the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? In other words, what do you want me to do? Now think about this. Every situation that we have read about from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 7, it was God speaking to Joshua, Joshua being obedient to what God said to do, and every single time it brought victory. It gave them the ability to cross the Jordan River. It gave them the ability to go into Jericho and destroy Jericho and have a great victory in Jericho when God talked to him and he obeyed God. What will you have me to do? The first step to failure in your life is when you begin to act without asking. When you begin to move in your life and do in your life and think that you know better and think that you've got everything under control and you think that you don't need any of God's assistance and any of God's help and any of God's wisdom, I'm just going to go on my own and do my own thing. Well, honey, you're headed for failure. And by the way, by the way, this saying don't cut it. It's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Now, you may do that. You may do that. But let me tell you this. Sometimes the consequences are very costly. Yep, David asked for forgiveness after Bathsheba, but he paid for it fivefold. He got forgiven. Boy, he paid for it. Are y'all with me? Don't act without asking. Now, why do we do that sometimes? Why do we do that sometimes? I think one is we're impatient. I think that's a lot. I think one, we're impatient. And the, and the, worst, thing, the worst thing in the world is to be in a hurry when God ain't. Oh, I'm the only one, huh? Isn't it frustrating sometimes when you're wanting God to do something or you're wanting, wanting and God's not in a hurry and you just get in a hurry anyway and you act without asking, ask Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, right? We're, we're, we're impatient. Sometimes we're impatient. I think sometimes we act without asking because we know what he's going to say. Why didn't you ask? Because I knew he'd say no. I'm going to just say here till y'all get with me. Am I telling the truth? 
It's the same principle. Why don't we go to the doctor? Because we're afraid of what he's going to say. We know what we want to do. And we know that if we ask, he's going to say no. So we just do it anyway. And hope for the best. How's that working for you? Don't act without asking. Talk to God before you make that decision. Talk to God before you take that step. Talk to God till you begin that relationship. Talk to God before you quit that job. Talk to God before you start that job. Talk to God before you leave the church. Talk to God before you go to another church. Talk to God before you quit your ministry. Talk to God. But The Bible says this. If any of you lack wisdom, he said just ask. If any of you lack wisdom, just ask. And you know what the Bible says he is about his wisdom? He's liberal with it. And that means he'll give you a bunch of it. Right? Are y'all with me? Can I move on to the next one? Do we get it? Here's a, here's a good, here's a good, I had a, I had a, a, a boss when I first went to Bible college. I, I worked at a, at a landscape company. And then later on, I worked at a golf course. But when I worked for the landscape company, when I first moved to Bible college, I worked for a Yankee. <clears throat> and, and he was, he is, he is, he was, he was very, very smart. I mean, this guy, he was, he was pretty slick. And, uh, and, uh, but he had a saying. He had a saying because, and by the way, this is why I hate crepe myrtles. <clears throat> hate crepe myrtles. Crepe myrtles are of the devil. Say amen. If you've ever had to trim them and, 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 and you know, and, and, and when it comes time to, 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 to uh, prune and all that kind of thing, well, he was very specific and very particular. I'm talking about at the angle that you cut because at the angle that you cut it, the, the new sprout will grow a certain way. It, it, it's just amazing. There's a whole lot more to it than I thought. And anyway, he, 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 he is a very teachable kind of guy. But this was his, this was his, his, his motto. This was what he just drilled in our head uh, because he was very specific in how you cut grass, how you, how you prune things, how you did things. He said, when in doubt, don't. When in doubt, that's some good advice. If you're ever in doubt about a situation, it's time to throw the brakes on. Listen, most of us, we'll do this. We'll just hope for the best. I'm not sure about this, but here we go. That's bad. When in doubt, don't. If there's something jumping up and down in your soul, there's a reason that is. I tell you, I, I really won't do it, but I just don't feel, hey, there's a reason. God has given us the Holy Spirit. I was talking to my brother today. <clears throat> I was talking to my brother today about, you know, Christianity and different things in life and, and, and about how uh, we, we were talking about how you can take something bad and make something good out of it and how, how some things are neutral. You know, uh, a gun is neutral. A gun is not evil. I know there's some crazy people that can't, can't get that and understand that, but a gun is not evil. A gun is neutral. You can take a gun and defend your family with it. You can take a gun and, and provide food for your family with it. Or you can take a gun and kill somebody. You can use it for good or you can use it for evil, but it is neutral. Guess what? 
A shovel is neutral. You can use it to plant a flower. You can use it to dig a garden. You can use it to, to whatever. And you can use it to bust somebody upside head with. Y'all with me? It's neutral. And I was explaining to him. I was explaining to him how we took Halloween. Technically, it's a pagan holiday. Technically, it's something people use for evil. Technically, it's something that's prevalent with the occult. But we took that and we took a bunch of our people and took our parking lot, took some candy, took some tracks, and ministered to thousands of people. We took something that was used for evil and turned it around and used it for good. Does that make sense? And so here, here we're talking, and, 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 and I, I was telling him and explaining to him, and we, he was asking questions about different things, and, and, and I told him, listen, we need to, uh, we need to understand that we, we bring everything to God. And because and, he was saying, well, is it this bad or is that bad? And I tried to explain to him, look, if something is, something is wicked, because people were saying, people were saying, you know, uh, uh, some, some misguided people were saying, would take what we did and just, I said, look, if that was wicked and that was evil, the Holy Spirit would have been jumping up and down in my soul and ringing in my head saying, don't! Because God gave him as a gift to us, as an instructor, as a guide. Are y'all with me? And that thing in your head, that thing in your heart, that thing in your soul is not a thing. It's called the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's real. And he is there to help you. So don't act without asking. When in doubt, don't. Don't. Just pray about it. Just pray about it. If, if you cannot get peace about something, then it's time to stop and pray about it and talk to God. Because either God don't want you to do it or God's got a better way. Are y'all with me? Now, let's go to B. What contributed to his failure? He, A, he, okay, come on, people. Y'all got to get with me here. All right, A, he. He acted without asking. Then B, write this down. He accepted wrong advice. He accepted wrong advice. Verse 3. <clears throat> Verse 3. And they returned to Joshua. They returned to Joshua. These are the spies he sent out. Now, there's nothing wrong with sending out spies. Right? There's nothing wrong with sending out spies. There's nothing wrong with getting some information. But watch what it says. They returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite eye, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but, what? They're just a few. They're just a few. Now, uh, uh, let's, let's go, let's, let's go, let's see. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, look in chapter 8. Look in chapter 8. Flip over to chapter 8. All right. Now, hold you. Hold you. I look down and I look at y'all and I see blurry. Hey, Amen. I got to get used to this. All right. Hold your hand in chapter 8, verse 1. Now look back over what we just read, okay? Now look in chapter 7 in verse 3. 
So we have chapter 7, verse 3, chapter 8, verse 1. All right, let's look at chapter 3, or chapter 7, verse 3. You ready? And these are, this is the advice he got. And they returned to Joshua and said, let not all the people go up. All right, let's look at chapter 8. And when he talked to the Lord about it, y'all with me? Chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Joshua, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. What does he say? Hmm. That's a little different than what they said. His advisor said, don't take that many. Ain't no reason to stress everybody out. But when he talked to God, God said, what's the point? Uh, let me see if I can say this. this. Well-meaning people can give you bad advice. How many of y'all believe that the, the spies for Israel wanted to win? How many of y'all believe that the spies for Israel thought they were doing a good thing? They say, hey, man, this ain't no big deal. I think we got this. After what we did to Jericho, hey, this is no sweat. There ain't very many of them. Let's just take a few. In man's eyes, in man's eyes, in logical thinking, y'all with me? In carnal thinking, in man's eyes, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. I mean, this seems like a logical thing to do. Are y'all with me? But sometimes we got to understand. No, no. All the time we got to understand this fight we're in is not, it's not physical. This fight we're in is illogical. This fight that we're in, listen, in our lives, it is a spiritual battle, it is a spiritual warfare, and sometimes man don't get it. Because in man's eyes, it only seems logical to do such and such. In man's eyes, this relationship seems perfectly fine. In man's eyes, this seems like a great a couple that's fit and perfect for each other. But in God's eyes, God's saying, no. Right? In man's eyes, this seems like the perfect job. But what God knows behind the scenes is he knows that, God, that job is going to take you away from God. That job is going to take so much time, it's going to destroy your family. That job may pay more money, but it's going to destroy your life. Y'all with me? He got some bad advice. I can't tell you how many times I have sat down with people and they told me what their friends told them and it was terrible. And by the way, by the way, on the opposite end of that thing, be careful giving out advice. I talked to a dear friend of mine. A dear friend of mine was upset because some other people was upset at that person. And, 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 and this person said, why is this people upset? I was just trying to help. And I said, you know why they're upset? It's because they didn't ask for your help. You know when we get into most trouble? It's when we offer unsolicited advice. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, 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 trust me. Trust me. I, I've learned the hard way. I've got, I've got very little skin on my back because I've tried to help people and I've tried to go out and I've offered advice when it wasn't asked for. I don't do that no more. Why didn't you tell me? You didn't ask. Amen. 
I know this is tough, guys. I know it. I know it. But this is getting us in trouble. Be real careful. And I'm not, I'm not telling you, don't give advice. I'm just saying you better know what you know before you do. Because what's going to happen is that person, if it don't work out, they're going to blame you and God. So be careful with offering that advice. Be careful. Now, on the other hand, let's go back to Joshua. Uh, be careful who you get advice from. Be careful who you get advice from. Now, uh, counsel is great. Counsel is wonderful. I think you need to do everything with counsel. The Bible says there's safety in the multitude of counsel. Amen? Especially with, with, with getting married and relationships and dating and all that kind of thing. You need to listen to people. Young people, listen to people because love is blind. That is a scientific fact. There is some chemical that washes over the brain. When you're in love with somebody, it makes you blind. Matter of fact, it makes you an idiot. <clears throat> because that person you're in love with can be a, 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 a total loser. It could be just this or that, or she could be this or that, and, and, and everybody in the world sees it but you. Amen. Amen. So when, when 27 people tell you the same thing, you might want to check up. Now, let me give you some advice on that, since we're going to give advice tonight. <laughs> I got some advice on getting advice. Amen? I don't ever ask advice unless, number one, the person giving it saved. Say, number two, that person's got to be spiritual. There's a bunch of saved people that's not spiritual people. In other words, I know they're walking with God. I've got very much confidence that they're walking with God. They're saved, they're spiritual. And then number three, their, their advice has to be scriptural. I've, I've, I've talked to people before, and they've offered advice, but then I look in my Bible, and it goes against what the Bible says. That's dangerous. Y'all with me? They have to be saved. Come on, say it with me. They have to be? Saved. Number two, they have to be? Spiritual. spiritual. Number three, they have to be? Spiritual. Scriptural. Number four, they have to be successful. If they've been married 17 times, I ain't getting a marriage advice from them. You know what's amazing to me? That's the people that always want to give it. Now, if you're going to teach me how to fight, you better be able to whoop me. Say amen. I, I, I like to play golf a little bit. And I'm not, I'm not no great golfer, but I can hit one or two. And I've played a little bit, and, and I enjoy it. And, and, and I can hold my own. With most people in here, amen. So if you can't break a hundred, don't tell me nothing. Now I'm not being smart, but I'm just trying to, to figure out the logic of the people that we listen to. I, I was sitting at the Coon Club one time. Yeah, I was. 
And this, this young guy come in, just got married. And it's kind of funny because uh, he, told, he told everybody he just got married. He's a newlywed. And one of the older gentlemen said, well, son, you ain't, ain't no sense you being happy all your life. Amen. I'm like, that's funny. I don't care who you are. Amen. And everybody in there start telling him what he needed to do, what he didn't need to do. In other words, just straighten her out right off the bat. And I'm thinking, I took him aside. And I said, son, don't listen to one single word that any of these old codgers in here said. Not one. The reason they're here is because they can't get along with their wife. Are y'all with me? Successful. Let's look up successful people. Say, listen, guys, I'm I'm, honestly, I'm not trying to be a comedian tonight. I'm just trying to, you know, use a little levity because this is practical stuff. And I'm I'm telling you, so many Christians are, are falling and getting beat up all the time when it's really unnecessary. And it don't have to be that way. Amen? This, this failure, 36 men died unnecessarily. Simply because, isn't that crazy? Just because he didn't talk to God first. Just because he got wrong advice. Well, preacher, how do I know if the, the advice is wrong? If it's unscriptural, and, and ask God. Can I just go ahead and lay this out here? Can I go ahead and lay this out here? You don't have to call the church and ask if it's okay to do something. Because the reason you are is because God already told you no. And you're trying to get my advice to ease your conscience. Right? Let's practice this. When in doubt, okay. All right, let's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's go. All right, hey, when we having fun tonight? I've just brought all of y'all down after this election. Amen. It's just everybody's excited tonight. All right. A, A, say it with me. A, he. He acted without asking. B, he. He accepted wrong advice. All right. Now, now what is the four, what is the four, the advice we get about getting advice? Number one, they got to be. Number two, they got to be. Number three, they got to be. Number four, they got to be. All right. C. C. He assumed willing attendance. He assumed willing attendance. What does that mean? He just assumed God was all right with it. He just assumed that God was there. Now, he knew, he knew that, that God had to be there. It was his presence that was going to get it done. And he just assumed he was there. Now, I went back. I went back and I read, I think it's Numbers 14. I think it's Numbers 14. Do you realize, do you realize that the nation of Israel, the very first time they got to the edge of the promised land, 
and, and they sent in the spies, and y'all remember, and, and the 12 spies went in, and, 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 and two came back and said, woo let's go get it, God's promised it. And 10 said, huh, we can't do it. And everybody said, let's just go back to Egypt. Why do we do all this? And they rebelled against God, did not believe God, and God said, okay, y'all can't go in. How many of y'all remember that? Do you know, do you know that they said, oh, no, oh, no, we're going to do it anyway. I, we're, we're sorry, my bad, it's all good. We, hey, we're here, since we're here, let's just go in. And God said, you better not. And Moses said, you better not. And you know what? They did anyway. And guess what happened? They were defeated. I'm talking about they mopped the floor with them. In the most significant, let's, let's just turn there. Let's just turn there. Just, I, I want you to read, hear the wording of it. I believe it's, I hope I got this right, if I remember. I think it's Numbers 14. I think. Okay, Numbers 14 and verse 42. Numbers 14 and verse 42. When you get there, say amen. All right? Numbers 14 and 42. Watch what he says. This, this is Moses telling them. They're they're getting all ready. They're going to just go in anyway. After God told them not to. After God said, because of your disobedience, you're not going to see and you're not going to set foot in the promised land. All right? They're just going to take matters in their own hands. Moses says, verse 42, Go not up, for the Lord is what? He's not among you. That ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and ye shall fall by the sword. Because ye are turned away from the Lord, therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presume to go, and that's a, that's a huge word, underline presume right there, underline presume. They just presume to go up under the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites which dwelled in that hill and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. What's the point? We cannot assume. And, and, and this, is, this, is, this is what happens. This is what happens. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes when we experience a great victory, sometimes when we experience a great victory, we get a big win. Sometimes that contributes to self-confidence. Self-confidence. In other words... That's right. Look what we did. You say, how do I know that? Because Joshua never even attempted to talk to Jesus. He never even attempted to go to God. He just assumed they had it all under control. Now let me tell you something. Joshua was a great man. He was a great general. He put up with so much garbage from the nation of Israel, and he was a good man. And the reason I'm saying this is if a good man like Joshua can assume, so can we. How many of y'all believe Elijah was a great man? Remember the prophet Elijah who stopped the rain? The prophet Elijah who called fire down from heaven and consumed a fatted calf? Y'all remember that Elijah? The same Elijah that John Baptist came in the spirit of? John Baptist is the Old Testament or the New Testament version of the Old Testament Elijah, the power of Elijah. 
probably one of the most significant, most powerful people in the Old Testament. Guess what? He comes down off of Mount Carmel, comes down off of that great victory, comes down off of that revival experience, and he runs to the palace, and, and there Ahab and Jezebel, and Jezebel threatens him, and he runs off and goes into a cave and goes into a depression. I don't remember which guy said it, but he was very wise when he said it, that we need to be as careful after the victory as before the battle. Because when you do win a great battle, sometimes it, 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 it produces self-confidence. And you say, what's so dangerous about that? What, shouldn't we all be confident? Yes, be strong in the, the Lord. You see, if they would have understood and if they would have remembered and if they would have had it in their heart and had it in their head that that battle was not won by their intellect, that battle was not won by their military strategy, that battle was not won because of the great, the, the great ability of the spies and the great wisdom of the spies, that battle was won because of the wisdom of God and the direction of God. If they would have remembered that, they would not have went to the city of Ai without getting that same wisdom. So that teaches me and that tells me, listen, they forgot. They forgot. Listen, I'm afraid, I'm afraid our nation has forgot what made us great. Our immigration policy is not what made us great. Our commerce is not what made us great. I, I, wish, I wish everybody had the privilege of having somewhat of a Christian school uh, background and experience where you, could, where you could learn real American history. And the amount of prayer that went into the founding of this country, the amount of time that was spent in, in prayer to God and, 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 and asking for His blessing. That's what made America great. In God we That's what made America great. Are y'all with me? But we forget that. Because sometimes, and I say we, I, I'm, I say we. It is so easy, it is so easy to have a big service let me, let me ask, I'm, let's just do a survey. Let's do a survey. How many of y'all have been here? How many of y'all have been here when we've had a big day? And, and it not, not necessarily, not necessarily uh, like Christmas or Easter or anything like that. It, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a, a specific big day. Like one of our, you know, it could have been just a, just a humdinger of service. Where God just moved, the altars filled, the presence of God was real. I mean, when you left here, you were walking this high off the ground. You felt God's presence. You felt God's touch. And, and man, you want every service to be like that. And then and, 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 and Monday happened. And it seems like Monday just punched you right in the face. And we realized, hey, let me give you a perfect example. <laughs> I hate that clock. <laughs> no, I don't. 
I greatly dislike the clock on the wall. I'm trying to be positive here. <clears throat> do y'all remember? Do y'all remember when uh, when when Jesus and Peter, James, and John went up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and they 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 were able to be in the the presence of Jesus when he he was radiating his glory. Peter said, "Let's stay here. Let's make a tabernacle." You know, we're just, in other words, he's saying, let's just hang out here. But God basically said, shut up and listen to my boy. Basically. And then they come down off the Mount of Transfiguration. And you know the first thing that happened when they come out of the glory and out of the awesome church service? They run into a devil. They run into the rest of the disciples who was trying to help this guy who had a son that was full of the devils, and they were failing at it miserably. What's the point? You can be on a mountaintop one moment and losing a battle the next. we got to constantly remember. And maybe this is what I'm trying to say. Don't quit praying because the election's over. This should be telling us this is just the beginning. Amen? Don't assume. Don't assume that God's okay with something without talking to him. Y'all know what assuming does. Amen? All right, B. Let's look at the effects from defeat. Look what happens. Maybe we can get some of this done anyway. In verse 7, in verse 7, Joshua said, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Question mark. Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. All right, A, what happens when we get defeated? First A, there's a disillusioned accusation. What's the first thing he does? Blames God. He says, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? How many times have we seen people make stupid decisions in their life that cause great destruction and great failure, and the first thing they want to do is say, God did it? I don't know why God's doing this to me. Okay, number one, God was not drinking and driving. Okay, number one, God was not running around with someone that you wasn't married to. Hello? God didn't do all that. You see, everything rises and falls on leadership. Who was responsible? Joshua. But guess what? He never talked to God. He never asked God. He never sought God. But the first one he wanted to blame was. Listen, guys, let's be careful when we fail. Let's be careful when we fail. Because most of the time, most of the time, we're blaming the wrong one. Look at verse, look at verse number eight. Look at verse number eight. Watch what he says. Oh, Lord. What shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? I want you to see a disregarded accountability. He went from blaming God to what? 
blaming everybody else. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that the world we live in today? Uh, judge, the reason I stabbed her 78 times is my mama took my cereal away from me when I was 12. Now, I'm being a little facetious, but I'm telling you, there is stuff out in this world that's more ridiculous than that. And they're getting away with it. No accountability whatsoever. You know, I think in my memory, there may be a whole lot of stuff before that, but in my memory as a little kid, I remember, I remember, and this may have started this whole thing and why we can't afford insurance right now and medical bills and everything else. How many of y'all remember the, the really the first lawsuit that started the tidal wave of everything when the person spilt coffee on them from McDonald's and sued and won? <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. And won. And now, a normal person can't even afford insurance because insurance is so high because everybody's afraid they're going to get sued out the wazoo for nothing. And it all started with accountability. I don't want to take accountability for my failure. I don't want to take accountability for my fault. How many people's lives are destroyed and they keep wanting to blame somebody else? People come to me for counseling all the time. And when they begin to tell me what's going on, I, I try to help them see where the bad decisions were made, and they constantly want to say, well, this person did this, this person did this. You know what Theodore Roosevelt said? If we could kick the person in the pants who causes the most trouble in our life, we wouldn't be able to sit down for a month. That's pretty good, isn't it? Listen. God, why'd you bring us out here? It's your fault. You brought us all the way out here. Is this why you brought us out here to fail? And then, and not only that, what in the world am I supposed to do when them soldiers won't do what they're supposed to And God's just listening. A disillusioned accusation, a disregarded accountability. Verse 9. Then there's a discouraging anticipation. Verse 9. A discouraging anticipation. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do to thy great name? In other words, he's saying, it's all over. How many times have we failed and we thought the rest of our life was going to be that way? We failed, so let's just give up. Let's just throw in a towel. Let's quit. It didn't work. Listen. Don't, don't, man, I got to hurry. Don't listen to the devil, okay? Don't listen to the devil. Just because you failed today don't mean you won't win tomorrow. All right, all right. Number three, what's the antidote for defeat? All right, this is not the antidote. We don't need to bow up. We don't need to bow up to God. 
Now, now this ain't, don't, don't write this, this is just me, all right? We don't need to bow up, and we don't need to back up. You hear me? Don't get mad at God, and don't say, let's just go back, all right? And we don't need to give up. Amen? Thomas Edison said, I'm not discouraged because every wrong attempt discarded is another step forward. Thomas Edison said, I've not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. <laughs> Amen? Listen, in August 12, 1849, F.W. Robertson said, Life like war is a series of mistakes. And he is not the best Christian nor the best general who makes the fewest false steps. Poor mediocrity may secure that. In other words, you, if you say, preacher, I never failed. That's because you never done nothing. Right? But if you attempt something, if you try something, if you step out in faith, if you step out to trust God, you're going to make mistakes. It says, but he is the best who wins the most splendid victories by the retrieval, say that with me, by the retrieval of mistakes. Forget mistakes and organize victories out of mistakes. Henry Ford said it this way. Henry Ford said it this way. He said, a, a, a mistake is an opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Right? Now, uh, when you do it one time, that's a mistake. When you do the same thing again, that's a decision. When you make a mistake, hey, start again more intelligently. Don't keep doing the same mistake over and over again. Say amen. All right, now, so what do we do? What do we do? A, here's the antidote for defeat. Look what he says. Look what he says in verse 10. Now, now this is an all-day thing going on here, right? From verses 1 to verse 10, or verse 9, it's all day. They've been laying them on their face before the Ark of the Cup, and God led them. God led them. God let them think about what they had done. God let them think about what had happened. God let them think about what the, what the result of their, 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 their failure was. Now watch what God says. Verse 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua. Come on, everybody. Say it again. So what do we need to do? First thing, get up. Get up. Get out of the mully grubs. Quit whining. Wash your face. Stand up. Get up. Quit blaming everybody else. Take accountability for yourself. Take accountability for your life. Don't wait on somebody to pick you up. Don't wait on somebody to set you up. Don't wait on somebody to fix you up. Get up yourself. Don't wait on nobody. Take accountability. Take responsibility. Get your life in order. Don't wait for somebody to fix you. Get up. Get up. You can't, you, listen, you can't step up till you get up. Yes, you failed, so get up. Yes, you made a mistake, so get up. Yes, it didn't go good, get up. Listen, you're not the only one that's failed. You're not the only one that's made mistakes. You're not the only one that's fell off the wagon. You're not the only one that's been a divorce. Listen, you're not the only one that's, that's, that's done something bad or done something wrong. You're not the only one that's ever claimed bankruptcy. Hey, get up! David committed adultery. Noah got drunk. Abraham tried to deceive. Peter turned his back on God. 
Are y'all with me? What did they all do, though? They got up. Amen? What do we do? Get up. If you fail, hey, amen. Get up. Get up. Secondly, you need to get up. B, you need to gather up. You need to gather up. And y'all need to write fast. What do you mean gather up? The second go around, you need to listen to somebody. Now, Joshua is all ears. He's getting counsel. He's getting wisdom. He's getting advice from God. So what do we do when we fail? Get up and then listen this time. All right, third, hurry, write this down. You need what? A, you need to. B, you need to. C, you need to giddy up. Yeah, that's it. Write it down. Giddy up. (laughs) I'm sorry I had to put that there. Look at verse 16. I think it's verse 16. What's beside that? Is it verse 16? Yes. What, what, somebody, somebody, somebody read the first part of verse 16. So Joshua rose. He rose up. Say it again. He rose up early in the morning. What's the point? Don't procrastinate. Get up, gather up, and giddy up. I ain't slowing down. I don't have time to slow down. I got to get busy doing what God said. Listen, let me tell you something. Put your paper down a minute and look at me. Put your paper down and look at me. 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 All the way in the back. You're looking in the back? Wave at me because I can't see your eyes. All right. All right. There we go. The longer you wait, the more afraid you're going to be. I, I had, I, man, I got to hurry up with this. Me and my brother and my cousin, <clears throat> we got this wild hair that we was going to jump off a bridge. <clears throat> I know, if everybody jumps off a bridge, you're going to do it too. Yep. <laughs> it was this bridge over a canal. And the bridge was the, was the turnpike bridge. Or no, it wasn't. It was I-95. No, it wasn't. It there ain't Fort Pierce people in here. It one or the other. It was either I ninety five or the Turnpike. I'm thinking it. I think it was I ninety five, uh, but it was way high. I'm talking. About it was way high, way high. How many of y'all know it looks higher from up there than it does from down here looking up there? Well, from down here looking up there, ain't no big deal. That'd be cool. Let's jump off that thing. And uh, <clears throat> we went down and got up on the overpass, and we run down there because we didn't want trooper. And by the way, the trooper did catch us. Uh, but we got down there, and it looked like real high from up here, but there was like a post that, that was down a little bit lower that we could kind of hang off of, but you had to hang off of and let go and land on that, that place, but then you couldn't crawl back up, so you had to jump then. And I remember, I remember when, when me and my brother and my cousin went, and I don't, I don't remember which one went first. It might have been Mark, but I don't know. But, but, but I remember this, when it came my turn, And the more I looked, 
the higher I got. Y'all with me? And the worse it was. Until I just bailed off and realized, hey, ain't that big a deal. What's the point? The more you think about your failure, the more prone you are not to try again. It's the old saying, when the horse throws you off, get right, I mean right back on there. Don't, don't, don't give up. Don't think that God's abandoned you. Let's go. So the ministry you was in didn't work out. Try another one. Go. Get up early in the morning. Get advice from God. Do what God says. And do it quickly. Amen? Amen. Lord, help us.